Psalms chapter 1. Hallelujah. We've been traveling quite a bit recently, so it's good to be home. The home church. Amen. Amen. You know, the more and more we travel, and I mean, we go to big churches. We went to a church yesterday. It's a 13,000-member church. And, um, you know, I feel like we're right smack dab in the middle of what God wants us to do. And, um, you know, got a great venue. Things look great and awesome to receive what we got to receive. But I'm excited to be right here. God's called us right here. And there's no better place to be. I wouldn't want to be there with the salary or whatever else they have to give out. I'd rather be right here in the family of God, in the church that God has ordained and called us to. Amen. And so we are just excited to be back home. I want to remind you that we have Pastor Earl and Marcy coming up this weekend. You don't want to miss. You do not want to miss. You want to be here. So just plan to be here. Sunday morning, Sunday night, we'll have a 6 p.m. service. Monday night, we'll have a 7 p.m. service, same time we do our Wednesday night services. So just make, just clear the calendar, whatever's on it, get it off of there, and plan to be here uh, because you do not want to miss. Amen. We, we do that because they're coming in for a weekend. And sure, we could just do the one Sunday like we normally do, but why not take advantage of the opportunity of them being here and get have them minister to us as much as possible? I mean, they're coming all the way up here. These aren't people that we get to hear on a regular basis. And so uh, I believe that they will have a great word for you. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 says, Blessed, blessed is the man, blessed is the position, okay? Blessed is the man who walks not... In the counsel of the ungodly, <coughs> nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Well, if you weren't awake before that, you ought to be awake now. And whatever he does will prosper. Amen. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. He knows the way. He already knows your way. You're trying to figure it out, and he already knows it. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I want to read this to you in the New Living real quick. It should be on the screens behind me for you. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees 
planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They're like worthless chaff, scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the ungodly. I like that. He watches over the path of the ungodly. But the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Uh, The title of my message is called Protect the Environment. Right? We hear about that a lot. Protecting the environment. I want to talk to you about your environment. I want to talk to you about your surroundings tonight. This is one that uh, I see uh, believers can tend to struggle with. Because here's, here's the key. This in the world, not of the world stuff gets kind of tricky sometimes. Okay? And I see believers that get into environments and whether it be a, 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 a lack of purpose or not knowing directly who I'm influencing or how I can influence people around me, uh, there becomes a danger of becoming what's around you rather than changing what's around you. And so we've got to find a way to protect our environment. There's arguments on both sides. We take verses like these that say, see, we're not supposed to be around sinners. We're not supposed to be around those that are doing wrong. We're, we're, we're not supposed to be you know, in those environments. But then we go over to Jesus and we look at Jesus' life and, well, he spent some time around some sinners. First of all, uh, I have this question. Who else was he going to hang out with? Were there any saved people on the earth when Jesus was walking? Obviously not, because he had to be the one to go to the cross. So really, they're all just a bunch of sinners, a bunch of people that aren't saved and living like him. Okay, so we know we talk about the religious group, you know, the, the spiritual group, but we know the mess that they had. They became the ones that actually put him on the cross. Okay? But Jesus, I think, held on to a very important part of Psalms chapter 1. It says, The joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked stand around with sinners, join in with mockers. But, but, here's the key, they delight in the law of the Lord. Now, what does the law govern? The lover, the law governs what you're doing. (coughs) In it, but not of it. I'm in it. I'm surrounded by it. I'm, I'm right in the middle of it. But yet I delight in doing the law of the Lord. I don't have to drink to be an influence to people that are in a bar. I don't have to cuss to be an influence to people that cuss. I don't have to to smoke, to be an influence to people that smoke. I don't have to become what's around me to influence what's around me. In fact, I'm not being much of an influence. I'm rather being influenced. Okay? And, you know, I I remember when I was growing up, uh, we had people in ministry that said, well, this just gives me an advantage. Well, 
if, if you having a tattoo or drinking or smoking or having this terrible past that you have gives you an advantage, then Jesus was at a very terrible disadvantage. <laughs> Jesus was the most dis. God should have rethought this thing and said, well, you know what, this whole sending him born of the spirit but through a virgin, you know, maybe we should have, you know, tainted him a little bit. Maybe we should have thrown some stuff in his past so he could say, look, you ought to listen to me because I've been there. I've done that. <laughs> Talking about protecting the environment. You know, I, I thank God for people that have gone through stuff and can help minister to people. I thank God that have, uh, for, for, for people, there's things that I've been through. And, and, and my wife and I have been through. And, and, I, and I believe that it gives us, in one sense, a leg up. <coughs> They're going to lend an ear to us. Because, why? I can be relevant. I, I, I can see. You know, that you got to be very careful with it. I know exactly what you're going. Well, do you? you got to be careful with that. But the bottom line is, the word fixes any situation, whether I've been there or not. Whether I've gone through it or not. Jesus didn't have to say, man, there was this one time, there was sickness trying to come on me, but I was able to rebuke it, and you could do the same thing. <laughs> Did he? He didn't have to ha have that conversation. He didn't have to go to the woman who was caught in adultery and say, man, there was one time I slipped up. Found myself in bed with someone I shouldn't have been, but... God forgave me. and re He didn't have the conversation. In fact, the one man that could have thrown the stone didn't throw the stone. And he was able to look at her and say, where are all your accusers? Well, neither do I accuse you. Amen. So we, we've got to understand this in the world but not of the world. And, and, and I want to help us in that because the bottom line is, is we live and work and walk, and dwell in the world. But I want to tell you today that that does not have to be your environment. That there ought to be a different environment for believers that helps you go into those scenarios and be an influencer. First of all, I believe that all believers, the second you come into the kingdom, you are on assignment to the world. The second you come into the kingdom of God. The second you are born again, you were not taken out of the world. You remained in the world to influence the world. In fact, we see Jesus pray along these lines in John chapter 17. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying to his father right before he goes, uh, you know, is, is arrested and is crucified. And John chapter 17, if you haven't read it, you, you, you need to read it. It's Jesus' prayer, his last prayer. And what he's praying for there is just so phenomenal. But John chapter 17 gives us a little bit of insight. He prays for three things. Prays for three things. Number one, he prays for himself. Number two, he prays for his disciples. And then number three, he prays, he prays for all believers in general. <coughs> and starting with verse, uh, I think I'm, we're going to start with verse 11. John 17, verse 11. Look at what he says. He says, now 
I am no longer in the world. But these are in the world. And I come to you. He's talking about his disciples here. These are in the world. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me that they may be one as we are. They may be one. Now watch this. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. I kept them. What's that referring to? Environment. I surround. Even while they were in the world, I gave them a different surrounding. I kept them in your word. Or I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. He's saying, I only lost one. And that's only because you called it before I could do anything about it. <laughs> He's saying, I, I did well with the group you gave me. Except for that one that had to fulfill scripture. But now I come to you. And these things I speak in the world. That they ha- may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Did you know you could be in the world and still have joy? Joy fulfilled, not halfway, joy fulfilled. Verse 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray, watch this now, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should protect their environment. Keep them from the evil one. How do we make it in this life? How do we operate as believers in the world but not of the world? Because it's so easy. Guys, this is a struggle. This isn't just a new thing since Jesus died on the cross and we've been born again and made new on the inside. And now we struggle with how do we surround ourselves with the world but not become This was all the way back to Canaan. This went all the way back to the promised land. A land that the Israelites, God's people, was supposed to go in and change one nation at a time. God sent them on a mission to obliterate every nation that was in the promised land. In fact, God said it this way to Abraham. He said, I'm I'm not even going to send them in there until they... their sin, the nation's sin, has, has come to fruition in one sense. Until their sin has been fulfilled. Why? Because I'm going to send them in there to change them. And we see in Joshua where there's battle after battle, conquest after conquest, struggle after struggle. But God's people is going in to these Nations. We started with Jericho. We move on. But then we get over to the next book called Judges. And now we begin to set up camp in these areas. These are areas we've conquested. These are areas we've defeated. These are areas that we've beaten. And the word says that they forgot their God. And they ended up taking on their gods. They ended up taking on their idols. They ended up marrying from other nations. Doing what? 
becoming influenced rather than influencing. And this was a cycle they went on in Judges. This was a cycle they went on through even with the kings. Just becoming what was around them. You know, there's an old saying that says you, be, you are a product of your environment. You're a product of your environment. And I believe in the kingdom. You've got to determine what's your environment. If this world is your environment, then it will produce the world in you. But if the word becomes your environment, the kingdom becomes your environment, then you become the kingdom. You produce the kingdom. Are you following me here? So Jesus says here, he says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. He's saying, I've got an environment within an environment I want to keep them in. There's an environment that even though they're surrounded by the world, there's another environment I believe that I can set them in and they will produce different results. So we've got to find that environment. We've got to determine what is that environment. Look at verse 16. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And this is where we get our saying, in the world, not of the world. We're in it, not of it. Now, of, that word of speaks to source. Of means source. And your source determines what you produce. Everybody in here has a father and a mother. They are who you are of. And that's your source. And there are results being produced in you as a result of who you came from, genetically, <coughs> genetically speaking, there's traits that are in you that were carried down from your mother and your father because that's who you're of. That's your source. We're not in the world. Uh, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And Jesus says that here three different times in praying for the disciples. They're not of the world. They're not of the world. Just as I'm not of the world, they're not of the world. If you're going to produce results from the kingdom, you've got to determine that the kingdom is your environment and not the world. I mean, I can be surrounded by the world, but I'm still surrounding myself with a different environment. Psalms chapter 1, where we just were, speaks of environment. It speaks of environment. That's what he's talking about. He says, you don't hang around with sinners. That doesn't mean you don't get around sinners. It means you don't become a sinner. You don't become that which surrounds you. You don't become that which you're trying to change and influence. That's what it's speaking to. He says you will be like a tree. You will be like a tree. Verse 3, he shall be like a tree planted by. Rivers of water. What does the river of water do? It feeds the tree. So what's feeding you? What's feeding you? What is the river that is coming by and supplying you? <coughs> Be like a tree planted by rivers of water 
And because we're planted by rivers of water, we do what? Bring forth fruit. What's that? Results. See, your environment is what feeds into you. And what flows out of you is determined by what is feeding into you. Say that again. What flows out of you is determined by what is feeding into you. And you don't realize it or not, but your environment is feeding you. And if you neglect one environment for the other, then you'll simply produce results. If you neglect the environment of the kingdom and only get fed from the environment of the world, you will not produce kingdom results in the midst of the world. It won't happen. Paul had to address this over uh, in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul had to address this in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, don't walk like the world walks, the futility of their mind, the ignorance of their mind. And what does he say? He says, cast off the old man and put on the new man that's renewed in the spirit of your mind. He's talking about putting on something different. He's not saying the only way we're going to not live according to the world is if we get out. It's not the answer. You're the answer. We've got to find out how to change the environment of the world because of the environment that we put ourselves in. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 in the New King James, it says this. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company corrupts good habits. And, and, and I think that's interesting that it says good habits because habits are something you've worked at. That's something that you've worked out to produce. Habits is not accidental. I just accidentally created that. No, you worked at that. It takes work to create a habit. But even evil company can destroy even what you have worked so hard at creating. What you conform to in the world will destroy what you learn in the spirit. What you conform to in the world will destroy, will destroy. Evil company corrupts good habits. What you conform to in the world will destroy what you learn in the spirit. So we see in John chapter 17 that Jesus has been praying for his disciples. He's not praying for them to come out of the environment of the world. He's praying that God would keep them in the environment of his kingdom. You can be kept in the kingdom environment even in the midst of the environment of the world. Basically what I'm saying is, is you control your domain. You determine your environment. And nobody else has control over that but you. You're the one that determines that. We are the only ones that determine the environment we keep ourselves in. And... 
Go over to, with me to, to Romans chapter 12. Look at this last one verse, and then I've got three points I want to hit. Romans chapter 12. We've seen it before. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He's asking this of us now. We're not waiting to get to heaven to present our bodies, present our lives as living sacrifices. In fact, it won't be much of a sacrifice when you're in heaven. Here's where the sacrifice makes. Here is where I choose to put down the flesh and take on the spirit. That's where the sacrifice is made. He's not waiting until we get to heaven. He's talking about right here on the earth. In verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Your ability to take on the environment of the kingdom enables you to be a witness to the world. The more different you are than the world that you're around, the better witness you become. Psalms chapter 1 said, but he delights himself in the law of the Lord. Jesus, in, in the midst of all the hanging out and all the surrounding himself with, with the sinners and eating dinner with them and doing those different things, it never once caused him to sin. Why? Because he delighted himself in the law of the Lord. He delighted himself in doing it the kingdom way. This is how the world does it. That doesn't mean I can't be around you, but I'm not going to become you. I'm not going to do it your way. You're going to see me do it my way, and you're going to see me be a witness. Jesus even told his disciples, you will be, uh, uh, as disciples, those who follow my word and obey, you will be a witness. You'll be a witness. So we've got to determine how we settle into this dichotomy of being in the world, but not of it. And I believe there are three environments, three environments that every believer has to surround themselves with if they're properly going to influence the world. Three environments. Three environments that we have to surround ourselves with, keep ourselves in, so that we can influence the environment of the world with the environment of the kingdom. Number one is the word of God. I believe that the word is an environment you can settle yourself into. Jesus said it this way in, in John 15. <coughs> John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 4, he says, Abide in me. And I in you. Abide in me. Abide means to live. That's not a place that you visit temporarily. It's a place where you live permanently. If I were to ask you, where do you abide? 
even though that might be a weird way of asking the question, where do you live? If I ask you, where do you abide? You're not going to tell me, you know, the vacation home that you visit every now and then, or, you know, that one trip that we make, uh, you know, once a year. That's not where you abide. You're going to give me your address. You're going to give me your city, your state. You're not going to name off places you visit. He says, abide in me. Make your home in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Well, didn't we hear about fruit over in Psalms chapter 1? They're like a tree planted by the rivers that bears fruit. The results you bear are determined by the environment you keep. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them. Throw them into the fire and they are burned. It sounds pretty useless. Is essentially what he's saying. That's a useless individual. We just gather those things up and burn them in the fire. Well, that's the same thing that was spoken of in Psalm chapter 1. The, God, the ungodly, they're like the chaff that's scattered. Useless. Just withers up. No, he says here that we need to be effective, fruitful. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. That you bear much fruit. He doesn't say by this, my Father is glorified that you call yourself a Christian. He says by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciple. He's talking about environment. Now, Jesus is the word. So when he says, abide in me, essentially he's saying, abide in my word. And he at one point even says, let my words abide in you. (coughs) And you will bear much fruit. Guys, as believers, we're not making much influence if we don't make a habit of being in the word. You're not much influence to the world. If you're not making the word your environment, it's almost dangerous to go into the world if you don't have the word as your first environment. It's dangerous to be in this world. Jesus said, I have kept them. We've got to be kept. That doesn't mean that we've got to go build up a town or a city, uh, you know, that just it's just a bunch of Christians. We just I want to find a job here in town that's just got the most Christians, most Godly, I just want, you know, I want that like-minded fellowship. I want, I just want to be around people. There are, there's a community over in Texas. It's nothing but Christians. They don't even see unbelievers. I mean, you guys have more of an advantage than I do. You know, I heard someone just this past week in one of the sessions at Full Force talking about uh, uh, how our uh, our ministry is serving whoever God places us around. Well, who is it that God's placed you around? 
And are you being influenced or are you influencing? And I tell you, the number one step to becoming an influence is getting the word in you and getting you in the word. It's got to be your environment. It's got to be where you live. I don't frequent this. I don't uh, 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 visit this occasionally. No, I live there. Where do you live? I live in the word. I live in the word. <coughs> you know, people can tell where you're from because of where you live. Right? Why? Because my environment's now producing things in me. It produces an accent, produces the way I talk, it produces the way I live, what I call things, produces the way I drive. Right? Who were in Atlanta yesterday? They drive a little bit different than around here. Yep. A little bit different. Why? Because my environment is producing things in me that I'm now producing out of me. People ought to be able to tell, you're not from around here. (coughs) Ever been told that? You're not from these parts. You're not from around here. Well, you ought to get into the world, and they know you're not from around here. We don't talk like that around here. And they ought to come in here, and same thing. There's so much compromise going on in the church today. And look, I I understand it, because, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, church wasn't cool. And there weren't a lot of young people, a lot of young people, that grew up saying, I want a position in the church. But now we've, we, we, we do things in the church that only they can do. Most of the technology in most churches today is run by young people. That's just the way it is. And so what do we do? We said, well, if we want to get the young people hooked up and connected, we've got to get a bunch of technology. We've got to get lights and smokes and 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 screens and videos and photography and and you know all this stuff that so we can give the the youth something to do. But here's the issue now: the youth they're only looking in for employment and they're not looking for calling. And ministry's never been about employment. If you're only wanting to be in ministry for employment, you will fail. Ministry is a calling. So even though I'm excited that. You know, it's lending itself that way. We got rid of the green carpet and the pink pews and, and uh, you know, all the brown and all the floral and all the trees and all the plants. Even though that's exciting and that we're appealing to that, there can't be a compromise. Because now we're losing the spirit of church. Now it's become about that. I heard a statistic yesterday that the average employment at a church now is 18 months. That's how long someone will go to a church and serve faithfully, stay committed, and they're gone in 18 months. Just looking for employment. And if the if there's someone else down the road that can do it better or does it greater or pays me higher, I'm going there. It's not about calling anymore. Employment. So when people come into the world now, they're getting a lot of the world. 
they're realizing, man, I don't have to change so much around these people. They're doing a lot of stuff I'm already doing. But no, when they walk through our doors, there should be a sense of, I'm not from around here, but I want to be. Look, it's okay to visit somewhere and want to live there. It's okay to visit a location and say, you know what, I like it here so much, I think I'm just going to stay. And that's the way it should be. In Colossians, Paul said they've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. We're transferring people from location, environments. That's what we're doing. Amen. So number one, the word has to be the environment for the believer. If you're going to be effective, infective, let's go ahead and say that. We need to be infecting. When you get an infection, man, that thing runs its course. That thing takes over. And it's not becoming like everything else around it. You have to fight infection. The world should be fighting to get you out of there. We're so sick and tired of this guy coming in here praying. We're so sick and this tired, you know, this guy. Everyone just cusses him down and just tells him how horrible he is and makes fun of him. And he's just, you know, so chipper and just, you know, always excited and walking in love. I mean, he's never, no matter what I can do, he never cusses me back. We got to find a way to get, they have to fight to get you out. They had to fight to get Paul out. They killed him one time and he got up and went back in. That didn't even work. Okay, we got to move on. We got to infect the world. Number two. The second environment that we've got to surround ourselves with is each other. Each other. I heard one person put it this way. You've got to balance yourself out. If you're around, you know, ungodly people a lot, that will wear on you. Yes, we get in there and we work around them and we stand true to the word. We don't compromise and we don't become like them. But you've got to balance that out and get around some people that believe and think and talk and can encourage you and lift you up and edify you. There's one, there's one thing that is diminishing in the church today is believers hanging out with believers. I'm not saying just hang out with believers, but you've got to get around other believers. Iron sharpens iron. The Bible says. We got to edify each other. We got to stir each other up. You ought to be able to call anybody that is a believer and be able to stop and have an encouraging conversation. But we got a lot of discouraging conversations going on. Because this one's talking about this one to that one. In the church. They do that stuff in the world. In here, we should be lifting each other up and helping each other out. And look, that's good and bad. If you see your brother in sin, go to him, Galatians chapter 6 says. We should not be standing around watching our brothers and sisters fail. We're all in this together. In Acts chapter 2, this is the birth of the church right out the gate. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says this, And they continually, steadfastly, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and prayers, in apostles' doctrine and what? Fellowship. Fellowship. 
Now look, guys, the fellowship, fellowship doesn't have to be, you know, that one night when the church puts on a, a big dinner and everyone brings their own meal. I know that's real big around here in southern Georgia. We have done those and we probably will do more. But that's not the only... Just because I don't initiate and say we're going to do a car or bless, that doesn't mean some women can't get together and say, let's go catch a movie or let's go grab dinner together. Come on. It's not to be initiated. Well, we just haven't had any fellowship. Make a fellowship. Fellowship. It says right here, they continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. If you skip on down to verse 46, it says, so continuing daily with one accord. With one accord, together, in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God (coughs) and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. He's just introduced this to the fivefold ministry. He says, They've been given for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Edifying means building up, strengthening, encouraging the body of Christ. This shouldn't be a place that we come to receive discouragement, this should be a place that we come to receive encouragement edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the what? Unity. Oneness of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men, the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but... Speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together, not scattered everywhere. Joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, everybody doing their part, according to to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself. Itself. Don't treat the world better than you treat each other. We've got to minister to the world. It's not about us. No, you are going to minister to the world together. You're not going to do it all by yourself. If you could do it all by yourself, then we would not have to have every part does its share. (coughs) Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. In the New King James says this, And let us consider one another. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, 
as is the manner of some. So this was, Paul was, uh, we didn't get very long when this book was written. We didn't get very far past the ignition of the church. And yet we've already got a manner of some to not show up. Not serving each other, not considering each other. But exhorting one another, encouraging. And so much more, so much the more as you see the day approaching. We ought to be having more connection today than ever, is what he's saying. Look at this in the Amplified Version. Let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another. Studying how we may stir up, stimulate, and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activity. That's awesome. Studying. (coughs) We should want to encourage each other. We should want to be uh, at each other's aid. And I'm thankful that we can help people in the world, and people that aren't connected to this church. But my first line of defense is the body of Christ. If you've committed yourself here, and you've committed yourself to the body, you've made yourself a vision partner, and you're giving, and you're serving, and you're sowing, I'm inclined to benefit that. That doesn't mean I won't give outside as the Spirit leads. But I'm definitely not helping people out that don't attend here. And then not taking care of my brothers and sisters. If there's a need here, we're going to do everything we got to do. There was one, one service, nobody knew who we were talking about. But I knew of a need that had just arisen in someone's life. They needed some finances quick. And I said right there in the middle of service, I said, tonight you're going to have the opportunity to bless somebody in your church. And you don't even have to know who they are. But if you feel inclined to give towards that, whether it's $2, $20, or $200, Put it in the offering. We'll set it aside. We're going to bless them after. And we did it. Why not? Why should we have to go outside? No, we're going to help each other. We're going to study ways to stir up and stimulate each other. Don't let a brother or sister leave this place discouraged when they've been in your presence. We got to surround ourselves with each other. You got to make each other part of your environment. You spend more time with the world than you do with each other. Some of us spend more time with the world than we do with our own families. It's not about quantity, it's about quality. It's good to get together and talk about movies and hang out, but build each other up in the Word. Just about everybody's doing a Bible reading plan. We should all be on the same page and say, man, how is. How awesome was that reading this morning? Did you get something out of that? Iron sharpens iron. I know individuals in this church that have, are going through books together, meeting once a week, reading chapters in a book. And, and I didn't say anything. As a pa- I didn't say, hey, you need to do this. Do it on their own, taking initiative to build each other up. The last one, last environment, and we're going to stay right there in Hebrews, is the church. The church. <coughs> you only come here, if you come to both services every week, you come here for maybe four hours a week. 
And most of you spend at least 40 hours at your job in a week. You spend 10 times as much time in the world than you do at church. And that's if you come to Sunday and Wednesday. And that's if you only work 40 hours, which I know a lot of people don't. (coughs) I know a lot of people would think 40 hours is a part-time job. Right? I've been there. Putting in the hours. But he says here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves. Now, we just talked about verse 24, considering each other and coming together. But now we're talking about the assembling. We're talking about the body of Christ coming together in serving. I was going to put 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but I just feel like we've all heard it and know it. We're the body of Christ. This does not happen without the body working. Just like your body doesn't work without the body working. Sure, the head is the most functional part in directing and leading and guiding, but it requires the body to carry out function. And this is an environment that is more and more so being neglected. Being neglected in the world today. People are working more hours out there than they ever have, and they're spending less time in here than they ever have. He says even more so as the day is approaching. Even more so. In the Amplified, Verse 25 reads, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers. I mean, most churches have only geared their church services now towards sinners and the world. And that's great. We're all about reaching the lost. But this is an opportunity for us to come together serving one God in one faith, one Lord, in one spirit. This is our time. This is our time. And if you're in the world and of the world, you're more than welcome to come and hang out. Because I believe that we've got something you need. I believe we've got people in here that have answers to what you're going through. But this is our time to study, to grow, to develop, to serve together. And for me, church service will always be about the body of Christ and the believers. We have confused the church with the church service is what's happened. The church is the one going out there influence the world. The church service develops the church to go out. I don't need to bring the world in here. I need to bring as much of the kingdom in here Because you're getting ready to go out there. And if you're not surrounded with this environment, you won't influence that environment. So we can't neglect coming together, guys. That doesn't just mean church services. There's a lot of things we do together. We have mighty men meetings. We have call or bless meetings. 
We've got times for your kids to come together. Uh, We have staff meetings. (coughs) Workers meetings to grow and develop in the areas that we serve in. These are all ways that we can come together, assemble together as believers as the body of Christ. These three environments are vital to us. Your ability to influence that will be determined by the environment you choose. If the world becomes your environment, you'll become the world. You become what you surround yourself with. You become a product of your environment. Guys, as believers, we have to set aside. I am going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water so I can give away fruit that changes somebody. There's fruit I want to give away. There's fruit that I want to invest in people. There is a world that's lost and dying and going to hell. But there is a word I've got to get in. There's fellow believers I've got to get around. And there's a church I've got to assemble with if I'm going to change what's out there. How foolish to think we could change what's out there without getting that in here. But we can. Our environment is important. Our environment is important. And I'm excited about changing the world. I'm excited about changing my world, Valdosta, our community. That's why we're here. We're not here because we just looked at a map and closed our eyes and pointed and said, all right, there we're going. We're here because we're called. We're on assignment. We've been sent on a mission. Adam and Eve were sent on a mission in that garden. Noah was sent on a mission. Abraham was sent on a mission. Moses was sent on a mission. Jesus was sent on a mission to change what's around us, but not by becoming what's around us. Change our environment, we'll change the environment. you got to protect the environment. Amen. Father, we thank you. We honor your word. We honor this word tonight by applying it. We want to protect our environment. Protect what we surround ourselves with. Father, we know you've called us to be influencers. We know you've called us uh, to lead and guide people out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. But Father, we will be ineffective if we don't first surround ourselves with the environment of our work, the environment of other believers, the environment church services. (coughs) So we don't forsake that environment. We don't put those environments down. We don't set those environments aside and say, well, I'm just going to the world. Let me influence the world. No, we are going to protect our environment so we can become our environment and then change the world around us. Thank you tonight, Father, for every world changer in this room, every person that's going to go into their environment tomorrow and Friday and next week and the week after and the month after, going into these environments, that some that may be hostile, some that they may not even want them there. Father, I thank you that we're going to change what's around us because we have changed 
what's in us. We thank you for this and give you all the glory and the praise in Jesus' name.